Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yep. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. I promise you my voice was so much better this weekend. I'm thinking I'm over the hump. And then I call a hockey game last night, and here I am. You know, I have a feeling because the Irish hockey team was playing an exhibition game. Why couldn't I have not have been able to tap out like a Notre Dame football player getting dinged up before the blue gold scrimmage? It's a game. It's important, but it doesn't count. So maybe I should have saved my voice and tapped out last night because I would sound a heck of a lot better than this. (laughs) So... Only two hockey games and a two and a half hour pregame show coming up later in the week. So outside of doing this show, I think I should just boycott talking. So if you see me in public, I'm just going to wave and answer your questions with my hands in some capacity. Welcome to the program, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960. WSBT, we're streaming live at WSBTradio.com. And the WSBT radio app. We do not have the Twitch app available right now because the mouse is locked up on my computer. So you'll just have to visualize the broadcast happening on the Twitch app today. It is 10 minutes after 5 o'clock. Hope you had a terrific weekend. It was a bye weekend, not only for the Notre Dame football team, but for you, the Notre Dame football fan. I have a feeling most of you that are listening to this program probably still watched quite a bit of college football on Saturday. Boy, there was a lot of intrigue with the action that was taking place. It actually was kind of an interesting Saturday not to focus on a Notre Dame football game. So the Irish picked a really good Saturday not to play a football game with Wisconsin axing their coach after losing to Illinois 34-10. to 
You had Alabama with their Heisman Trophy quarterback going down with an injury. Their backup comes in. Looked like things could get away from them in the third quarter at Arkansas. And then third and 15, and the Alabama backup quarterback takes off on a a 70-yard run that totally changed the complexion of that particular game. You had Georgia on the ropes in Columbia against the Missouri Tigers. Now, I didn't see much of that game. I actually flipped it on with, I don't know, 11 minutes to go in the game, and Georgia was down 10, and then Missouri folded, as you kind of expected they would in the final 11 minutes, and Georgia survived and advanced. That's just a sample of some of the action taking place over the weekend. We'll talk more about my takeaways from the college football weekend in just a little bit with my My Five question of the day. Of course, we'll talk about Notre Dame football. We've got Tyler Horka coming up, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We'll get his thoughts on BYU not looking overly impressive in their rivalry game against Utah State on Thursday. I'll pass along some stats on BYU that could lead you to believe that Notre Dame has a very good chance to win this football game against the Cougars in Las Vegas on Saturday. Also coming up, we'll update you on some Notre Dame injuries leading into this BYU game. Also coming up, we've got our Twitter question of the day. It's already posted on my Twitter account, at 960SportsBeat. We'll go back and update my last poll question on Thursday. We'll take a look at some of the NFL action on Sunday later on in the program. And it was a really, really, really good sports wagering segment on Thursday as I offered my college and NFL picks for the weekend. We had eight games on our slate, and I went 6-2 and two with those particular games, including going a perfect 3-0 and yesterday in the NFL selection. So we'll recap those picks and look ahead to tonight's Monday Night Football action, which you can hear on WSBT Radio starting at 7.30. Good matchup tonight. The Los Angeles Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, taking on the team they beat in come-from-behind fashion in the NFC Championship game, the San Francisco 49ers. Always a great game when those two get together. Courtesy of Westwood One, we'll have the play-by-play for you here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. I want to thank Jimmy Rosari for filling in for me on Fridays, Budweiser's weekday sports beat. I had the honor of going back to my little hometown in central Illinois to get inducted into my high school hall of fame. It was really cool to see so many friends and relatives that I have not seen in a very long time. I live a little over four hours from here, so it was good to go back and be honored in that capacity. It was very humbling and my son went with me, and one of the things he mentioned, now this is a town of 2,400. He goes, wow, I can't believe everybody knows everybody here. And that's one of the things about being from a very, very small town compared to being here in the South Bend area. It's, it's a little different. Yeah, everybody does know everybody, and sometimes that's really good, and sometimes that can be really bad when you're in high school or, or growing up. But Really cool moment, honored to have been placed in 
the same capacity as some pretty good people that have gone through my little high school through the years. I mean, the lead singer of REO Speedwagon lived in our town for a little while. I think he grew up there. So we're kind of big time for that. And Abraham Lincoln lived in my just outside my town for seven or eight years. So he built all these log cabins or helped, I guess. And his village is still a great tourist attraction. So even though we're a little bitty town, I think tourism probably doubles our town size when it is the summertime. So thanks to Jim for filling in as I got to take part in something really, really cool over the weekend. All right, let's get rolling. Our first pitch on Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, the Fighting Irish football team got in some work last week as they held practices on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The Irish coaching staff had the opportunity to go out recruiting on Monday, back on the road Friday, checking out some high school football games. Marcus Freeman made a stop at a very important recruit in the class of 2023 on Friday. We'll talk more about where he went and who he had the chance to see coming up tomorrow on the program when Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike Singer rejoins the program. But the coaches were out and about. Got back into town on Saturday, and now here we go again with a brand-new game week for the 2-2 two and two Fighting Irish. So they play four games by week now, and now the grind truly begins for this football team. Eight consecutive games without a bye. This is why you build depth throughout your football team because this is going to be a grueling stretch for this squad as they try to stack wins and at least get themselves back into consideration for a New Year's Six Bowl game. Now they have to run the table to do that. But at the same time, if they are a football team that is heading in the direction they possibly could be after the North Carolina game. Set your goals high for something like that to take place. Now you have to beat ranked teams along the way. BYU, Syracuse, Clemson, USC. But if this team can start dominating, then you hold out hope. Now I think realistically speaking, this is me speaking, I think they have the chance to be an 8-4 and four football team, and considering where they were after Marshall, I'll take that. It's not the Notre Dame standard. It's not the standard that was reestablished by Brian Kelly late in his tenure. 8-4 and four is not what we're looking for. But I think you have to readjust and reassess your thoughts on the football team week in and week out. And after the first two games, 8-4 and four sounds pretty doggone good. In particular, when you factor in, you're playing your backup quarterback after starting 0-2. But first things first, Notre Dame has a matchup against number 16 BYU in Las Vegas, Saturday night, 7.30 kick 
here on WSBT Radio. We know all about Notre Dame's uniforms. They did the hangover spoof to unveil those before the season started. BYU came out with a long video today, and it's UFC-inspired, and they've got special uniforms for this matchup against the Fighting Irish, and they look pretty sharp as well. So I guess it's all about the uniforms for these two teams going out to Vegas for this particular matchup. Well, Marcus Freeman told us after the North Carolina game, this isn't necessarily going to be a bye week. This is a work week for the Irish in regards to the bye week last week. So they were going to have some hard practices last week in the effort to be a much better football team than they were over the first four games. Here's Marcus Freeman on the three practices last week. When I say physically recovered, there's certain guys that, you know, needed um, that were banged up, you know, that needed to recover. The Ramon Hendersons, DJ Browns, Michael Mayer was banged up. A lot of those running backs had played a lot of plays, but, you know, for the majority of the group, we had to get better. And, and for, for guess what, for, for Michael Mayer, physically recovering is going to help him get better. But for the majority of the group, we had to go out there and we had to bang. And we had to, to practice with pads on and, and really get after it. And, and it was a chance for us to, at the end of practice, kind of get some of those young guys to practice some live reps and, and really, really develop the core nucleus of our team. Um, and so we, we had some really physically challenging practices. But I believe today on Monday, they're recovering. And uh, we're going to have a great Monday practice. Well, for the Fighting Irish football team, they are going to be a part of a Shamrock Series game. They are 10-0 in Shamrock Series games in their history. Basically, this is a glorified home game for the Fighting Irish football team. I think many businesses in our community would prefer a natural home game, but this is an opportunity for Notre Dame to spread its wings and take the Notre Dame experience to other parts of the country. Vegas has a lot of experiences for people coming to Vegas. Notre Dame will add their own twist to those experiences later on this week. So it is a chance for the Irish to play in the Las Vegas Raiders facility known as the Death Star. I mean, it is a massive, massive building. Here's Marcus Freeman on the opportunity to head to Vegas to take on this BYU football team. Yeah, we got to do a good job. We're not going to get out there in time to, to experience any of the distractions that I think Las Vegas can present. Um, we're going to get there and, and be uh, very strategic on what we do. Go to the stadium. I want them to go see Allegiant Stadium. Um, spend a little bit of time there. Go straight to the hotel. Uh, have dinner. We'll have some time together. A normal meeting that we have on Friday nights. And then they're going to go to bed and... and we have to remember that our bodies are, are used to Eastern Standard Time, so we're going to try to get them to bed at a decent hour and wake them up uh, um, you know, at a decent hour to get us ready for the game on Saturday. Tough going to Vegas and not getting the chance to experience any of the so-called fun out there in Vegas. It's kind of like Linus pulling the football away from Charlie Brown at the last second. You see it all, you can hear it all, but unfortunately it's a business trip. For this Finding Irish football team as they try to get to 3-2 and two by taking down a BYU football team that, I don't know what you thought, I was not overly impressed with them 
in their game against Utah State last Thursday. They won 38-26, but I saw some deficiencies in that BYU football team. They're just, I don't think, very good at stopping the run, which is good news for the Fighting Irish. Utah State, 48 carries for 204 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, and one touchdown. Oregon, a couple of weeks ago, 44 carries, 212 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, and three rushing touchdowns. Notre Dame showed that they have the ability to run the football against North Carolina. Granted, North Carolina, one of the 10 worst defenses in the country, in particular against the run. I guess we'll learn if this running game has truly taken a step forward when they take on a better defense in BYU, but they've struggled, I think, stopping the run lately. And it's not like BYU's been running the ball that great against the better teams. Now, Oregon is 16th in rush offense. I'm sorry, Oregon is 16th in rush defense. Baylor is 20th in rush defense against those two teams. BYU against Oregon, 33 carries, 83 yards, 2.5 yards per carry. Baylor, BYU had 24 carries, 61 yards, 2.5 yards per carry. Notre Dame comes into the ballgame, not as good as those two teams, granted. But the Irish have improved to 68th in the country. They're in the 90s a couple of weeks ago. The Irish giving up 142 yards per game, 3.95 yards per carry. And BYU against Utah State. Keep in mind, Utah State is 108 in run defense, giving up 188 yards per game and 4.7 yards per carry. BYU against Utah State, 32 for 117 and 3.7 yards per carry. So they ended up 71 yards under Utah State's rush defense average and a full yard below what Utah State has given up on the season. I think those are two pretty good signs for Notre Dame and possibly one of the reasons why Notre Dame is the favorite in this game over a ranked BYU football team. More on the matchup coming up today and throughout the week, of course, here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Coming up next, let's bring in another voice, a stronger voice than I have in more ways than one. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, will join me. He'll also join me once again on Saturday for our game day sports beat pregame show powered by Michelob Ultra from 4 until 6.30 here on WSBT Radio. We'll talk some Irish football with Tyler coming up next as Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on this Monday, October the 3rd, 2022 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Now, the latest forecast from the WSBT Weather Center. Skies will remain mostly clear tonight as we'll drop down to a low of 38. For Tuesday, we're mostly sunny and a little warmer with a high of 70 degrees. Partly cloudy on our Wednesday with a high of 73. And on Thursday, mostly cloudy with a 40% chance of showers mainly late. We'll reach a high of 67. A slight chance of lake effect rain for Friday, otherwise cooler with a high of 54. I'm WSBT's Abby Wepler. 
Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 531 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960. WSBT streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Darren Pritchett back with you and joined by Tyler Horka for his normal Monday visit as we talk fighting Irish football. Tyler, of course, is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, and my co-host for Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra on Saturdays that Notre Dame plays, including this Saturday. We are on the air from 4 until 6.30 Eastern time, leading into the matchup out in Las Vegas between the Fighting Irish and BYU. Tyler, no Notre Dame football this weekend. Were you watching plenty of football? Did you take time away? How did you handle the bye week? Definitely watched plenty of it, and this will go to show you how much I enjoy college football. I was actually in Austin, Texas. I saw Texas play West Virginia. So it wasn't that big of a matchup, 2-2 two and two versus 2-2, two and two, but I just can't get away from it. I, I love being in the stadium on Saturdays, and that's kind of where I grew up. So went back home for the weekend. Little Red River this weekend, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, big one. But again, uh, I think that's 3-2 and two versus 3-2 uh, and two this year. So the intrigue... Not very high, but if you've never been to that game or you never really gotten caught up in watching it, uh, it's it's one of the great spectacle, spectacles in college football. you got to experience at least one time. I've experienced it several. Mm. Texas, Oklahoma, Florida, Georgia, two by far the best neutral site games that you will have in college football. Now, Notre Dame will be playing a neutral site game out in Las Vegas, Shamrock Series against BYU coming up Saturday night at 7.30. You know, I didn't get to watch whistle-to-whistle of the BYU-Utah State game, but I got enough of a glimpse to get a little better feel on BYU. I've watched them before this year, and some people across the country might be wondering, why is Notre Dame favored against BYU, who is 16th in the country, a 4-1 and team that has beaten Baylor already this year? Well, two things. Number one, I'm not sure how good Baylor is at this point after Oklahoma State throttled them over the weekend, but... The second thing for me is, you know, I'm I'm not sold yet, Tyler, on BYU's ability to run the ball or stop the run against better football teams. And to me, that's a major reason why I think Notre Dame has a great chance to win this game. I picked BYU to beat them at the start of the year, but I am flipping my pick because what I have seen out of BYU so far this year. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't like it picking games too early in the week, but we at Blue and Gold Illustrated, we have to pick these games well in advance to get into our uh, written deadlines, our copy deadlines. So we actually made picks on this game two weeks ago. Oh, and wow. of course, BYU had a, had two games to play between then and, and now, and Notre Dame had one and then the bye week. But I picked Notre Dame back then, and I feel more confident that Notre Dame is going to win this game on Saturday now than I did then. And it goes to what you said, BYU, when it, when it plays competent football teams, and even after an 0-2 start, I would say Notre Dame is a competent football team. We've seen that the last 
couple of games they've played, they can, you know, beat you as crazy as it sounds a couple of different ways. You score 45 points against North Carolina, you only needed 24 to beat Cal. So whether it's a defensive game, slugfest type of game, or a shootout, uh, albeit the defense has to be as bad as North Carolina's for Notre Dame to want to get into a shootout, but I agree with you in that BYU can be had at the line of scrimmage. And whatever way Notre Dame wants to play, that's kind of their MO is we're going to beat you up front on both sides of the ball. And if you go back to last year, I think BYU was a 10-win football team. In those 10 wins, they averaged over 205 yards on the ground. In the three losses, that went down to 125 yards of rushing output. And then on the other side of the ball, BYU only allowed, I think it was around 150, maybe 160 yards on the ground from its opponents in its wins. That shot up to 222 yards on the ground for opponents in, the, in those losses. So this, this is right up Notre Dame's alley and who the fighting Irish want to be under Marcus Freeman. He said it all along. We're going to run the ball and we're going to stop the run. Notre Dame has a, a clear test in front of it in that if it does those two things, you beat BYU. If you struggle to do those two things, that's how BYU usually wins. So it's kind of a – I think this game, the, the two styles of play are very similar. BYU – wants to do those things when it does not do those things it struggles to win Notre Dame wants to do those things we fall we saw in the first couple of weeks it will struggle to win if it can't win the line of scrimmage hmm. Tyler I asked this question to the start of the week about this Notre Dame football team on Twitter and the question basically was how do you look at this Saturday's game and one of the choices was find out what was real or what was fake against North Carolina now Marcus Freeman on Monday talked about how North Carolina was a really good football team, a well-coached football team, because the question was asked about the Notre Dame offense and what you can take away from basically facing one of the worst defenses in the country. Now, they perform pretty well against Virginia Tech, but the Hokies aren't exactly a powerhouse offensive team this year. So let me ask you a two-part question, and I'll start with this. As you think back to Notre Dame, North Carolina, a week and a half ago, from watching that game, and you were there in the press box, what do you think was real about the Notre Dame football team? What did they do in that game that you believe will carry over into the coming weeks, including this game against BYU? I think we're harping on the wrong side of the ball in this discussion. And you mentioned that the question that was asked at the, the press conference was how much of what Notre Dame did offensively was, was real against North Carolina. I'm not so sure we know. We're going to have to see this team play a little bit more on that side of the ball to know. What was real was, and I know 32 points isn't going to scream it, but the way the Notre Dame defense flustered one of the better quarterbacks in the country, Drake May, who, by the way, looked really good again Mm -hmm. in that win that Marcus Freeman was talking about against Virginia Tech. North Carolina scores over 40 points. And this is a team that Notre Dame held down really well. For, for large stretches of that game, Drake May finishes with five touchdowns, but two of those come late and two of them were really long. So you're looking at a couple plays away from holding that guy who looks like he's, you know, this is just a beginning for him too. He's going to be very good to holding them less than 200 yards and, and three touchdowns, which you take that. I think anybody in the country who has North Carolina on their schedule is signing up for, for that against this guy. And by the way, this is a North Carolina team that showed that it could run the ball 
mm-hmm. pretty effectively. I mean, they had stretches where they don't have anything, but they have big plays on the ground with the Marion Hampton and Notre Dame made that guy invisible in that game. So what was real for Notre Dame against North Carolina was the way the defense played three more sacks. You saw plenty of TFLs. The defensive line was playing great outside of a couple of lapses. The secondary looked pretty good. So only four games in, but I think Notre Dame has played two very good offenses in Ohio state and North Carolina and looked pretty good against both of those. So what was real was absolutely Notre Dame could go into any of its games the rest of the way and try to win a game on its defense. It's done that. It definitely did that against Cal. Tried to do that against Ohio State. Looked pretty good defensively against Marshall as well. And then, uh, again, 32 points. It doesn't scream defensive, uh, you know, powerhouse or, or one of the better defensive games that you'll see. But given that it was on the road and given the personnel on the other side, that was real to me was the Notre Dame defense. Now, Tyler, I think maybe using the word fake is a little harsh in asking the question. So let me tweak it by saying, what did you take away from the Notre Dame-North Carolina game that you still need more information? You still need to see more of this in order for you to be a full believer that this part of the football team is taking steps forward and Marcus Freeman can count on it week in and week out. It's actually the rushing game for me. And I know people are going to say, what? You've, you've got Audrick Estime, you've got Chris Tyree, you've got Logan Higgs even. You know, this was a, a big-time facet of that game. Well, you, there's not going to be a whole lot of games the rest of the way where those three guys are not being contacted until they're four or five yards down the field. That's how you run for seven and a half yards per mm-hmm. carry or whatever it was. Is The defense is just getting blown off the blocks, and it, it, it just doesn't look like good football. I was sitting up there in that press box, and I said, man, they're just moving them down the field, and that's not going to be the case in every single game you play. Probably won't be the case against BYU. So for me, it's the rushing game because you go back to the Cal victory, and as good as it looked and, and it felt like things were starting to click, especially in that second half offensively for Notre Dame, you look at Chris Tyree and, and, or and Audric Estime, who combined for 35 carries in that game, they still only ran for four yards per carry. So that was almost – we were talking how bad was this Notre Dame offensive line and how bad was this rushing game overall against Ohio State and against Marshall when, geez, I think against Ohio State it was more like two and a half yards per carry. And then against Marshall it was three and a half yards a carry. Against Cal it was still only four yards a carry. So the anomaly right now is what they did against North Carolina. And I know that's fresh in everybody's mm-hmm. mind. Was Whoa, 287 yards on the ground. Anybody you gave it to looked really good. At some point, that probably says more about the opposition than it does about yourself. So I, I still need to see more from the Notre Dame ground game, specifically those three running backs. Hmm. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, my guest here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the Notre Dame pass rush through four games. I felt like Isaiah Foskey got off to a bit of a slow start, but as his play has picked up, it seems like the entire defensive line has picked up their play as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked so much over the offseason about Foskey on one side and Riley Mills on the other. With The play that sticks out to me from that North Carolina game is when they stunted Riley Mills from the defensive tackle position and mm-hmm. Isaiah Foskey came around from the edge through the inside and Mills was able to get home kind of running a stunt from inside to outside. And I'm starting to think maybe that's 
where Riley Mills is, is more comfortable, he won't tell you. He'll tell you in these interviews, yeah, I like to play outside. I like to play inside. You just put me on the field and, and I'll let you go. But maybe lining him up right next to Isaiah Foskey is the way to go. But, yeah, it, it's, it all starts with Foskey on the outside, and I think he's getting hot and he's getting better. He's got a two-and-a-half two sacks now this season. So it, it's been the, the guys around him, though, that have made it such a complete pass rush because, like I said, there, there's guys getting home from the interior how many times have we seen Howard Cross do it and Jacob Lacey so the question mark for this team was you lose Kurt Heinish and I know Myron Tagovailoa most have played outside but he was all he was almost like a defensive tackle playing on the outside you, you lose two guys who you have those girthier defensive tackle builds and you don't know how you're really going to replace them and I, th- I think those guys have played great Jason Adamalola has gotten better as the season goes on Justin Adamalola probably doesn't get enough shine because he's playing strong side end. He's playing Viper. He's playing all over the place along the defensive line. So, yeah, these, these guys are kind of like the offensive line, too. They are starting to become who you thought they could be. Now, of course, North Carolina's offensive line has, has been, um, you know, highly ridiculed the, the last couple of years for maybe not being a very good unit and I know Notre Dame had six sacks against Cal but it's still kind of one of those things where you want to believe okay yeah this is this is getting better and this is what it's going to be but I think a word that Marcus Freeman Marcus Freeman used in a different context he was actually talking about Lorenzo Styles earlier with consistency and you have to place a little bit of that on the defensive line too it's okay we've seen the flashes now can you take a week off go out there and do it against BYU on a neutral site field if you do it a couple more times, I think people will start to say, yeah, this defensive line is what everybody thought it was going to be before the season. And that's, quite frankly, one of the best units in the country. I want people to go to blueandgold.com to read your piece on the Notre Dame wide receiver position. Still a major question mark for this offense. Better play from the wide receivers would really help Drew Pine over the next eight ball games. Let's just say this. There are some really smart coaches on the offensive side of the football. And Tyler, for anyone that is out there saying, well, they should play Merriweather, they should play Wilkins, they should play Colsey, I'm sure what you show in practice is going into the decision-making process of using the guys they're using at this particular time. So how do you assess where we're going to go over the next couple of weeks with this wide receiver position? Yeah, it's it's to kind of address some of the things you said first there, I can guarantee you that Tommy Reese, Chancey Stuckey, Marcus Freeman even, these guys aren't playing favorites with anybody on this roster, and that goes for the wide receiver room as well. If Tobias Merriweather was good enough to get on the field and be trusted to make these plays and, and go out there and turn out snaps and, and get targets, then he would. But the reality of the situation right now is that Okay, you're going to leave Lorenzo Styles on the field for pretty much every single snap. But outside of that, Braden Lindsay and Jaden Thomas are the guys who are eating up these snaps right now. The, the coaching staff is basically telling you that from the snap counts, Braden Lindsay is playing better boundary receiver than Tobias Merriweather right now. And that's a problem and probably says more about Merriweather right now than it does Lindsay. But, man, we're – like I wrote in the article that you were alluding to on blueandgold.com, we're a third of the way through this season, and Tobias Merriweather has played four snaps. And Deion Colsey has played four snaps. Joe Wilkins has played 13 snaps. So they can't even get onto the field, let alone be trusted to make plays. And I mentioned Jaden Thomas earlier. 
He's a guy that's played, I forget what it was in the article, but well over 100 snaps, maybe even close to 150 snaps or more than that. And he has eight targets on 94 receiving routes run. So if Merriweather or Colsey or Wilkins are not better than that, then that just shows you where this Notre Dame wide receiver room is at because we even talk about a guy like Matt Salerno, and he's made a couple plays this year already, but he's only played 50 snaps. So if you're looking at 283 snaps that Notre Dame has accumulated on the offensive side of the ball through four games, he's only played 50 of those. You're you're really running a three-man wide receiver rotation, and maybe things click over the bye week. I I saw an interesting tweet over the weekend that just kind of showed how much Lorenzo Styles progressed after the bye week. We We really didn't see a whole lot of him September and early October, then the bye week hits, and I know Avery Davis goes down, but that didn't happen until November. And Styles became a little bit more part of the rotation against North Carolina, against USC in late October. So maybe it's a light bulb moment that we're waiting for, especially with a guy like Merriweather. But with Colsey and Wilkins, I just, you know, the, the headline on blueandgold.com right now says it all. Is it too late? You know, Are we going to see a dramatic improvement with this Notre Dame wide receiver room? Because I think there's a lot of rational minds out there that would probably say, no, I think this is what we got. So at that point, it's Styles, it's Mayer. You got to get Chris Tyree involved catching the ball, and maybe even a guy like Eli Raritan, who Marcus Freeman talks very highly of today. Hmm. Tyler, let me pick your brain about one more subject before I let you go. I'm wondering what you think about the number two tight end position at Notre Dame. Obviously, Michael Mayer is the number one. Take him out of the conversation. Take Kevin Bauman out of the conversation. Out for the year. With a torn ACL, we are seeing some other players farther down the depth chart, some intriguing young players get an opportunity. What is your assessment on the number two tight end position going forward? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy that a position with so much depth going into the year has kind of come to this where Kevin Bemman's out with his ACL injury and Mitchell Evans, Marcus Freeman says today that he's just not ready and, and that's kind of been – a theme press conference after press conference. We don't know when Mitchell Evans is coming back. And that's not to say that, you know, he's behind in a timeline or anything. This is a guy that just fractured his foot in July. And we know how complicated foot fractures can be. So you take him out of the equation, Kane Barong towards ACL about a year ago to the day almost. And he hasn't really been the same. So after Michael Mayer, you're looking at two freshmen really at this point with, Eli Raritan, who I mentioned earlier, and Holden stays. And I know Davis Sherwood can play a little bit of tight end, but I think it's time to really get those two freshmen a lot of reps. And you saw that against North Carolina when Eli Raritan plays over 30 snaps and Holden stays gets the start and he plays upward of a dozen snaps. So I think those guys rotate a little bit, but I do think that's going to be kind of the, uh, the way it divvies out to where Raritan – is more of the tight end number two and stays as a tight end number three that can spell him a little bit. But I think this Notre Dame offense could be completely different if those guys get involved in the passing game. And I know you don't want to put too much on their plate. We just talked about Tobias Merriweather as a guy that might have too much on his plate and he can't even get on the field. And now you throw a couple of other true freshmen out there and ask too much of them. But to me, those guys, maybe even more so than Merriweather, who got a lot of publicity in fall camp, looked like, able route runners and guys who use their big bodies over the middle of the field to catch passes. So if Notre Dame is looking for something and this thing kind of devolves back into a situation 
the way it was maybe against Marshall, a little bit against Cal in that first half where you need anybody to catch the ball. I think it could be those guys. But Eli Raritan, to me, is, is the complete package. He's the number two rated run blocker on Notre Dame's roster for pro football focus, and that's right behind Joe Alt. Very mm. good company. So, yeah, Raritan is the guy that kind of – that fits in there for me as the tight end number two, but you got to use a guy like stays as well. And I think these are going to be eight huge weeks for a couple of true freshmen like those guys. And Mitchell Evans still not ready to go as he comes back from an injury. All right, Tyler, this week at blueandgold.com, what should subscribers or possible new subscribers expect? Yeah, we're getting back into the flow of a game week. I feel like the bye week kind of came into an awkward time because we were really rolling there and, Notre Dame could probably say the same about the way it was coming off that win at North Carolina, but plenty of BYU coverage to come. I I know a lot of people are going to be intrigued by this game, not just because it's in Vegas and it's the Shamrock series and all of that, but, you know, kind of one of those headliner opponents that Notre Dame had on its schedule coming into the year, a ranked team, a team that has won, I think, 25 of its last 30 games. So plenty to read up on BYU. We'll also have plenty of things from the Notre Dame perspective as well, from what Marcus Freeman said today. And, coordinators and coach and uh, players will speak tomorrow night so back into the flow of a game week we got uh, eight more of these things to write out the next couple of months and i love it it's, it's the best time of the year the, the leaves are changing it's uh, a little cooler in south bend it's football time man and yeah. you got to get the blue and gold.com when it's football time are you making the trip to vegas i'm not but patrick engel will be so okay. blue and gold.com will be represented in Las Vegas. All right, so you got Chapel Hill, he got Vegas. I'm not sure who won that. No, I think he did. I'll go out and I'll, I'll flat out say it, but he, <laughs> he's been doing really good work for us at blueandgold.com for a little bit longer than I have, so he had first dibs. Okay. And he went with the right He he went with the right choice, I will say that. You had less distractions, no question. Yes, exactly, <laughs> distractions. Marcus Freeman talked about those earlier today. No doubt about it. Hey, Tyler, good to be with you today. Uh, we'll catch up later in the week as we get set for game day sports beat here on Saturday. And enjoy your week. We'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks, Darren. Talk Th- to you then. Thank you so much. Tyler Horka does great work covering the Fighting Irish. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. They still have that great dollar deal for a year. So make sure you check out blueandgold.com. And we'll have more Blue and Gold conversation tomorrow. Notre Dame football recruiting news with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, their Notre Dame football recruiting insider. News on Marcus Freeman being out recruiting last week and also a very familiar last name from Notre Dame basketball years past apparently may make an impact on the Notre Dame football roster in the near future. Those storylines coming up tomorrow when we talk to Mike Singer here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. It is 5.53, a couple of Irish injury updates coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Five fifty-eight at Sports Radio nine sixty, WSBT Sports Beat rolls on for this Monday, October the third, two thousand twenty-two. In just about an hour, 
A look inside of Mishawaka High School Athletics with Cavemen Corner. That's at 7 o'clock. 7.30, we go to Westwood One's coverage of Monday Night Football. The Los Angeles Rams taking on the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers feature a couple of former Irish offensive linemen in their starting unit. Aaron Banks at left guard and Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. How about Ben Skoranek for the Rams being used all over the place by Sean McVay, which led me to having a conversation with someone over the weekend. Did Notre Dame underuse Ben Skoranek when he was here for one year with the Fighting Irish because Sean McVay is using him in all different capacities and a big part of the Rams offense. And oh, by the way, they are the defending world champion. So he's on a really good football team. All right, 559 at WSBT. A quick update on Notre Dame football before we get to a Sports Center update. Injury report today, nothing too significant for the Fighting Irish. Notre Dame safety, Ramon Henderson, who missed the North Carolina game, was out with an ankle injury, and apparently he is expected to practice this week and be ready for the matchup against BYU on Saturday. Fellow safety, DJ Brown, injured his hamstring in the matchup in Chapel Hill. Just like Henderson should be able to practice throughout the week and is expected to be a go for the game in Vegas against North Carolina. So the safety position is looking more normal. Xavier Watts got time in that Carolina game, and Marcus Freeman was asked today about Watts in August for a time, cross-training between his old position, wide receiver and safety, and he says that's over with, that he is locked in as a safety for this football team. Coach Freeman mentioned today tight end Michael Mayer was banged up and needed the bye week, but good to go, little rest, takes care of all those bumps and bruises. Fellow tight end Mitchell Evans, who had foot surgery, is just not ready to play as of yet, so Evans still not a factor on the depth chart at tight end. And we'll have to watch this week an update on BYU running back Miles Davis. He looked pretty good against Utah State before getting injured. Uh, Not sure if he's going to be able to go against the Fighting Irish, but I thought for a time against Utah State, he was their best running back, even though Brooks is their main guy. He kind of sparked that running game for a time. All right, so that's what's happening right now with Fighting Irish injuries leading into the matchup against BYU Saturday at 7.30 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT coming up in a couple of moments. My five takeaways from the college football weekend with the Irish sitting on the couch enjoying those yummy cheeseburgers during the bye week. More Fighting Irish talk coming up on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Notre Dame brings five. Bradley steps back. In trouble. He sacks at the 15-yard line. J.D. Bertrand got him. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And down he goes. At the 16-yard line, Justin Adamy Lola got there first. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Oh, intercepted. This will be a pick six. Into the end zone goes Jack Kaiser. 42-yard touchdown. Well, tonight's Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat is being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. The king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. 
by South Bend Orthopedics team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Pet Refuges ABC Clinic, South Burnett Drive in South Bend, helping fight pet overpopulation. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org, Legacy Heating and Air, a cook family business, and Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Great to have you on board, Sports Speed, on this Monday as we kick off a brand new game week. For the 2-2 two two Fighting Irish football team, it's off to Vegas for a Shamrock Series game against the 16th-ranked Cougars from Brigham Young University. A 4-1 football team coming off a 38-26 home win over rival Utah State on Thursday night. So a couple of extra days of rest and prep time for BYU considering they played on Thursday rather than Saturday. I don't know if you were like me. I'm betting the answer is probably yes, that you spend a good amount of time watching college football, even though Notre Dame had a bye week. I think a lot of people that tune into this program probably absolutely love college football, and even when their Fighting Irish aren't playing, you're tuned in to see what else is happening across college football. When Notre Dame's in the playoff mix, I'm sure it's even more, but even with the Irish not in the playoff mix this year, I have a feeling you were probably watching quite a bit of football. So let's talk about some of the things that happened over the weekend throughout college football and a Pretty fun Saturday of college football. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, let's go through today's My Five, which is my five takeaways from the college football weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Boy, Kansas, whatever they are using for their good luck charm, if I were them, I would bottle it and sell it to the rest of the world because this basketball school is flourishing right now in college football. They have been the doormat of the Big 12 for so long. But this year, it's different. Coach Leopold came from Buffalo and is changing the culture. And Kansas is a 5-0 football team. I don't know how they won on Saturday. And I'm not saying that because one of the two games I missed in our wagering segment late last week was Iowa State minus three at Kansas. But Iowa State had... What, three field goals that were very, very makeable that just didn't work out, hitting upright, shanked. I mean, Iowa State did everything but win that football game. 
But I guess when it's your year, it's your year. And apparently, Kansas is living the good life because somehow, some way, they're still undefeated. Kansas got by Iowa State by your normal score of 14 to 11. Iowa State might have missed an extra point, too. I can't remember. Maybe I'm getting two games mixed up. But credit to Kansas. They are still 5-0. But here's what's coming up over the next four games for Kansas. And we'll really find out if the glass slipper fits because Kansas coming up. Another home game. But this time against number 17, TCU, who demolished Oklahoma on Saturday. Speaking of the Sooners, after playing TCU, Kansas will go to Norman to take on Brent Venable's team. That is stinging right now. Then Kansas has to go to Baylor and then back home to take on a team that just took apart Baylor over the weekend in Waco, number seven, Oklahoma State. So Kansas is 5-0, full credit, but... Coming up, TCU at Oklahoma, at Baylor, and Oklahoma State. Four! Another takeaway from the college football weekend. Are we believing in the Pac-12 conference? The conference that may not exist in a couple of years. If it's going down, it's going down with a fight. Now, it's probably a conference that will not get a team into the college football playoff unless USC runs the table, and I do believe they will get tripped up because of their defense somewhere along the way. Or should I say at least once. Right now they're undefeated. Credit to them. But the rest of the conference shouldn't be a factor. Utah's lost. Oregon has lost. UCLA is undefeated. They've only beaten Washington. Nothing else to report. And Washington now has a loss, losing at the Rose Bowl. But you know what? Right now, the Pac-12 apparently is good enough to have five teams ranked in the AP poll. The second most, only two. I don't have to tell you. You can guess. The Southeastern Conference. But right now, the Pac-12 entering this week, they've got Washington at number 21. Penix, the old Indiana quarterback, man, he's having a great year out with the Huskies. At number 18 is Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins. At number 12, the Oregon Ducks, who beat Notre Dame's next opponent, BYU, in Eugene, 41-20. Coming in at number 11, the Utah Utes, who lost their game on the road in Gainesville to Florida earlier this year. And the top-ranked Pac-12 team at this point is Lincoln Riley's USC Trojans undefeated. They are the number six team in the country. But again, I think a football team that can run the football early and often and effectively can slow down this USC football team. They're a great offensive team, but I think they can get exposed defensively the right team has not popped up on the schedule, at least as of yet. Okay, okay, Uh, number three. Sorry, I had to take a drink of water. We move on to another takeaway from the college football weekend. 
How about the Wisconsin Badgers firing head coach Paul Christ? Did they just go Bo Pelini, Nebraska? Great success by a coach, but in the eyes of the university, not good enough, or the coach is not leading the team in the right direction for the future. Nebraska has not recovered from Bo Pelini getting fired. Now, who's to say program could have dropped off, but things were going pretty well in his record at Nebraska, very similar to what Christ had done at Wisconsin. Paul Christ, a Madison lifer, you could say. His record at Wisconsin on the day he got fired, 67-26. and 26. In the Big Ten Conference, Chris' record, 43-18. and 18. During his time as head coach, he won three Big Ten West titles. Now, I know what you're saying, and it's a fair argument. That's not exactly the best part of the Big Ten. The big boys are in the East. Can't argue it. That's an exactly appropriate thought. But your job is to win the division you're in, and he did that three times. He also led Wisconsin to a couple of New Year's Six Bowl game opportunities and was a two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year. But Wisconsin, so far this year, totally different story. They have two wins, and those were against FCS schools, New Mexico State and Illinois State. They had lost to Washington State. They were routed in Columbus by number three, Ohio State. Now, a lot of teams are going to fall into that category, Notre Dame not being one of them. And then, was it extra salt in the wound of the Wisconsin administration when their old head coach, Brett Bielema, came back to Madison for the first time since leaving Wisconsin for Arkansas? He returned leading his home state school of Illinois into Madison. The Fighting Illini had not won at Camp Randall since 2002. That's 20 years of losing in Madison. Now with Lovey Smith in 2019, Illinois shocked an undefeated and top 10 Wisconsin team, but that was at Memorial Stadium in Champaign-Urbana. This was an absolutely absolutely demolition job done by Illinois against Wisconsin in the second half. This was a Wisconsin team that went right down the field on the opening drive of the ball game and took a 7-0 lead. But from there, Brett Bielema's fighting Illini outscored Wisconsin 34-3. Now, I'm an Illinois fan growing up in central Illinois. But let me also state, this is a much different Illinois football team than we've seen the last couple of years. Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator, is going to be a head coach very soon. This guy is a tremendous defensive coach. He is rising very similar to what Marcus Freeman did at Cincinnati. So this defense is really good. They have one of the top rushing games in the country, led by Brown. So this Illinois team is 4-1 and one and just not the team you run over easily that it's been the last couple of decades. Bielema has this team 
much better talent on the roster and a much better coaching staff coaching up these players. So it's no surprise Illinois, a three-and-a-half home favorite against Iowa this week. So it's not like Wisconsin lost to the doormat of the Big Ten. They lost to a much-improved football team. But it's more about the future of Wisconsin football in the eyes of the Wisconsin administration. They were not going in the right direction. When you look at your only wins are over FCS schools, that paints a scary picture. Wisconsin has been trending backward the last two years. And apparently, in an era where you don't mind paying a guy $16 million to go away, Wisconsin was willing to pay that. And when you think about the big money coming up with the new media rights deal in the Big Ten, I guess you can afford to spend that money and try to build for the future. Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator, could have left Wisconsin. He stayed, and now he's the interim head coach. Will he be the head coach? It's possible. But... This is a gutsy move. The Badgers thought they were not going in the right direction. And so they got rid of their very successful football coach who was 67 and 26. How many schools would like to have that type of record over the last six years or so? A lot. But Wisconsin sees themselves differently in the pecking order of college football. And they made the move. Number two. Number two, takeaways from the college football weekend. How about that Missouri-Georgia football game in Columbia? I only saw the fourth quarter, so I can't speak to a lot of what happened over the first three quarters other than pass along some of the details. But Georgia was down to Missouri 16-6 at halftime and down 10 early in the fourth quarter. This is the same Missouri team that couldn't beat a mediocre Auburn football team down in Alabama the week before. They should have won. They missed a short field goal at the end of regulation to win it. And the running back reaching for the goal line fumbled the football into the end zone recovered by Auburn. And a tough loss for Missouri. You wondered how they'd respond to that tough loss. They did everything but win the football game. But obviously they got refocused with number one Georgia coming to town and through three quarters Missouri held Georgia to 12 points the Bulldogs had turned the football over two times they had settled for four field goals one of the reasons why Georgia not successful on third down they were three for their first 11 on third down against the Mizzou defense Georgia was out of sync offensively for 75% of the football game. You look at some of the numbers, Missouri finished the game with nine tackles for loss. They sacked Stetson Bennett two times. They had six pass deflections and were credited with seven quarterback hurries. Absolutely all you could have asked for from that Missouri defense. Now, on the final couple drives of the ball game, Georgia's offense found their game and rolled right through Georgia, I'm sorry, right through Missouri to take the lead and ultimately win the football game by four. And the Georgia defense came up with a couple of three and outs late to shut the door on Ole Mizzou. Statistically, 
It feels like Missouri could have and should have won the football game, but championship teams find a way to win. And Georgia was able to do that on the road Saturday. Now, are we worried about Georgia as an elite team in college football? Well, the AP voters apparently are showing signs of some doubt, very little, but they dropped Georgia down to number two in their poll this week. You go back to Kent State, Kent State put up 22 on this Georgia defense. And it wasn't like Georgia pulled away from the MAC team in between the hedges in Athens. And now against a very poor Missouri team, Georgia almost went down. They're not done. You can't count them out. But they have not played their best for two weeks in a row. Keep an eye on this Georgia football team, how they react this week. Number one. And with Georgia going up against it at Missouri, it opened the door for the old Alabama Crimson Tide to roll back to number one in the rankings. They were my preseason pick to win the national championship. And a team that has faced some adversity already this year, they are still standing tall. They got out of Austin with a victory over the Longhorns. It's not an easy road schedule for Alabama this year. They had to go to Arkansas to take on the Razorbacks. And in the first half, it was a game dominated by Alabama, but they lost their Heisman Trophy quarterback, Bryce Young, to a right shoulder injury, a throwing shoulder injury. When the backup came in, Jalen Milrow, it was still looking good for Alabama because their defense was playing well, and Milroy was doing okay. But then Arkansas found its game. They recovered an onside kick. They got to within, I believe, three, and Alabama facing a third down and 15 from their own territory in the third quarter. Looked like the game could flip if Arkansas could stop Alabama. If didn't happen. They couldn't get it done. Milrow took off on a long run, setting up an Alabama touchdown. And from there, the old saying applies, great teams win, championship teams cover. And yeah, Alabama covered and walked away with a 20-point victory over Arkansas on the road. Now, Alabama still has a game at Tennessee, at LSU. So it's not like they're out of the woods yet, but this is a complete football team. And if Bryce Young is healthy and ready to go, and by the way, he was smiling throughout the second half, it looked like Bama was protecting him from further injury that day. If he was smiling like he was throughout the second half, it was not a season-ending injury, an injury that's going to keep him out a long time. We'll see if he plays this week. He is listed as day-to-day by Alabama head coach Nick Saban. But I know Alabama has been pushed a little bit. Arkansas pushed them. But to me, they're still the best team in the country. I think Ohio State is closing in on Georgia. There's an argument that Ohio State might be number two in the rankings. Really doesn't matter at this point. Only on October the 3rd. We'll get to the playoff rankings in about a month. 
But when Bryce Young is healthy, Alabama is the most dominant football team in the country. And getting Gibbs, the running back from Georgia Tech, to come play for the Tide, my goodness. He is a difference maker. He was one of the best running backs in the country coming to South Bend to play the Irish last year. Now in that offense, Alabama again elite with a guy like Gibbs helping out Bryce Young. And all their wide receivers every year just are electric. I mean, they run away from everybody. They do not rebuild at Alabama. They reload. So to me, Alabama is the number one team of the country. Maybe Ohio State is the second best. We'll see how Georgia responds this week. And oh, by the way, Nick Saban's always in charge of the Alabama football team. That's not the only thing he owns in Tuscaloosa. He probably owns his house, but he also owns the Alabama media. So you see the kid come in, Milroy. wasn't like he tore it up throwing the football, but he is a dynamic runner of the football and was on display on that third down and 15 play in the third quarter where he took off and ran right through the Arkansas defense getting into scoring range. So a member of the Alabama media asked Coach Saban about, huh, I know you got a Heisman Trophy quarterback in Bryce Young, but this Milroy guy is kind of interesting. So here is Nick Saban doing Nick Saban things. You've talked about Jalen Merrill's unique skill set. Just given that, is there a thought of maybe putting a package together for him regardless of Bryce's injury status? We already have one. So... This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 642 and WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Last time I was on the air Thursday, we had this question. What running back combination would you like to see become the norm for the Notre Dame offense? We're talking about Chris Tyree, Audric Estime, and Logan Diggs. I gave you four choices. The first was Chris Tyree gets the most chances at running back. Choice number two, Audric Estime gets the most opportunities. Choice number three, Tyree and Estime split the chances. And choice four, you want all three, Tyree, Estime, and Diggs, to split the carries. The votes have been counted, and here are the results. There was a tie for third place between Chris Tyree getting the most chances and Audric Estime getting the most chances. That got 14.5% of the vote. Second place in the voting, what we have seen when all three are healthy, Tyree, Estime, and Diggs splitting the carries. That got 29.1% of the vote. And winning our vote, 41.8% of you said that the Tyree, Estime, split the carries is the best way to go. If I had a vote, which I don't since I post the account, I can break that tie for third. I would go with Tyree getting the most chances. Thank you for voting. Greatly appreciate it. And now you can vote on today's question right now on Twitter at 960Sportsbeat. Today's question is, how are you looking at Saturday's Notre Dame-BYU game? Here are the three options. Number one, it's just the next game. Number two, Notre Dame is turning the corner and it's time to start dominating. Or choice number three, 
find out what was real and what was fake against North Carolina. We'd love to get your vote right now on Twitter, again, at 960SportsBeat. How are you looking at this game on Saturday? The next game, Notre Dame has turned the corner. It's time to dominate or find out what was real and what was fake at North Carolina. The early returns on the voting, it's a little bit lopsided. We'll see how it plays out when we cast all the votes and have the results for you on tomorrow's Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Coming up next, it was a terrific end of the week sports wagering segment. We'll recap that and offer some picks for tonight next on WSBT. We're back on Sportsbeat. Darren Pritchett with you at 6.50. A quick recap of my college football and NFL picks at the end of last week. It was a 6-2 weekend. I lost the first game of the weekend. I had Washington minus 2.5 at UCLA. The Bruins won at home 40-32, but everything was pretty good after that. I had Alabama laying the 17.5 at Arkansas at plus 100. Some pretty good juice. No problem. Roll Tide. Alabama won by 23 with a backup quarterback, 49-26. I took Wake Forest plus seven at Florida State. Wake Forest won the game outright, 31-21. My other loss, Iowa State minus three against Kansas. They did everything special teams-wise to lose the game, and they did. Kansas won 14-11. But I ended the weekend with four other victories. I took Illinois plus seven at Wisconsin. That was an easy winner. The Illini won 34-10 and fired the Wisconsin head coach. I had the Bengals minus four against the Dolphins Thursday night. Bengals won 27-15. Another winner yesterday was Falcons plus one and a half against the Browns at minus 115. Falcons won outright at home 23-20. And my final suggestion last week, Giants Bears under 39 and a half points. 32 points were scored. Giants won 20 to 12. So six and two to end the week. It was a 13 six and one week, and I ended September nine games over 500, 41, 32 and two, and now for the season, 30 games over 500. I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of tonight's matchup from a handicapping standpoint, but I have to pick four games. So bear with me. I'll do my best. Just don't have a great feel for this game. I'm going to go with the road underdog. My first of four suggestions, I'm going to go L.A. Rams plus two at San Francisco. I'm also going to take the Rams on the money line to win outright. I've got the game under 42 total points. And I'm also going to take the 49ers team total under 21 and a half. So, again, I'm not a big fan of these picks, but I got to pick four. I've got Rams plus two, Rams on the money line, under 42 total points in the game, and the 49ers team total under 21 and a half points. Hope you do better than probably my picks. 
on tonight's Monday Night Football, which you can hear on WSBT Radio tonight at 7.30. Sports Beat Tonight brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. Also by Pet Refuge, Four Winds Casinos, Tim Grau State Farm Insurance, Midland Engineering Company, the Mishawaka Education Foundation, South Bend Orthopedics, Pet Refuge, Legacy Heating and Air, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Barnaby's of Mishawaka, and Granger. I appreciate you joining me for Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. More Irish BYU talk tomorrow starting at 5 on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 